This NBA season, make every three-pointer, alley-oop, and buzzer beater even more exciting with FanDuel. You can bet on everything from first baskets and number of dunks to which player will drain the most threes. Or stack your bets with the same-game parlay for a shot to win even bigger. It's quick, easy, and you'll get your winnings fast. So download the app today and see why we're North America's number one sportsbook. Make every moment more with FanDuel. 19 plus and physically located in Ontario. Gambling problem? Call 1-866-531-2600 or visit connectsontario.ca. Some cars are comfy on the inside but don't have power on the outside. And some cars have the horsepower but none of the comfort. I used to think there weren't any cars that were the total package. But that all changed when I got my Honda SUV. It's rugged and sophisticated. And right now, Honda has deals on the entire Honda SUV lineup. CRV, HRV, Pilot, Passport, you name it. So if you're looking for a car that's the total package, the only place you'll find it is at your local Honda dealer. Hurry before they're all gone. Want to hear something amazing? Discover matches all the cash back you earn on your credit card at the end of your first year, automatically, dollar for dollar, with no limit on how much you can earn. Extra cash? Come on, how amazing is that? In fact, it's even more amazing when you realize all the places where Discover is accepted. 99% of places in the U.S. that take credit cards. So when it comes to Discover, get used to hearing yes more often. Learn more at discover.com slash yes. 2020 Nielsen Report limitations apply. When you're a pro, your reputation is built and proven over time. That's why the Home Depot carries Loctite PL Premium Max construction adhesive, the strongest on the market. It stays 100% solid after curing. It won't develop air pockets. And like your reputation, it holds up over time. Right now, get 12 or more for the bulk price of only $8.53 each. Loctite PL Premium Max at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. Minimum purchase required, U.S. only. You know what I want? <laughs> I want to talk to you. Hello and welcome to the Raptors Weekly Podcast. I'm Mel Sampson Folk, and today joining me, a colleague of mine over at Raptors Republic, a wonderful writer, a wonderful Twitterer, always flinging jokes. There was a Pokemon-related one yesterday that tickled my fancy, and uh, I'll swing it over to you to tell it. Kelsey O'Brien, how are you doing? I'm great. How are you? I'm I'm doing great, you know. As we we got into it shortly before we recorded the podcast, a little <laughs> bit a little bit hectic, but uh, everything's coming up, Sam. It's a it's a good life. Things are going well. Perfect, perfect. And so, if you can, off the top of your head, the the Pokemon. Oh, the Pokemon super- one. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so I am probably the only person left in the world playing Pokemon Go, and I just I said. If the Clippers win a championship, will Zubac evolve into a Golbat? Which is and perfect. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't think like most people would get it, but the response has been pretty positive so far. So <laughs> it's a good one, I guess. I would be so interested to see what the crossover is between people who play Pokemon and people who watch basketball with fervor. Because I play, I have an emulator on my computer and my phone. Every once in a while, I'll play one of the old Game Boy Color or Game Boy Advance Pokemon games. And my brother still plays Pokemon Go, same as you. And we love basketball. And so you're also included in that group now. So three people at the very least. 
Or there's a whole army of us, I guess. Yeah, exactly. Band together. Storm oh, yeah. army. <laughs> Come out of the woodwork. Exactly. The first thing I want to talk about, and after reading some of your earlier stuff that you've written, I have a quote here, and I'd like to dive into it. F is for Freddy, who is left on a shelf, undrafted, a reminder to bet on yourself. A famous excerpt from your Culture Watch piece from last year, and interesting now, what is the biggest culture shift shift, sorry, of the last two or so years in the NBA? In the NBA entirely? Player agency, definitely. Um, I mean, it's become players getting to kind of call the shots and say, you know, this is what I want. This is where I'm going. These are the teams that we are developing as players, not so much as owners or managers. So I think players getting theirs is definitely one of the bigger shifts. And so when you decide to write a culture piece, and I think I saw that you had done two of them, the other one relating to Halloween. Where do you start looking when you think, okay, I'm going to write about the culture of the NBA? Uh, well, usually I'll see something on like Twitter or Instagram, and that will kind of be an inspiration, and it'll go from there. And then um, with the ABC one that you were just referring to was, I think I was just trying to get my kids to bed. <laughs> and it kind of came. It kind of came from there. <laughs> I don't really remember, but yeah, it just. Um, or I'll just be like walking down the street or in the shower, and I'll think, "Hey, this might be a good topic." Is there anything? Kind of got, kind of Sorry, go ahead. And it kind of just evolves from there. Mm. Is there anything that you've seen this year that has spurred on any type of um, inspiration? Um, well, the Halloween one for sure. I saw so like what, half the NBA dressed up as a Joker. So I was like, okay, I need to do a definitive list of all the best and worst Halloween costumes this season. Because usually the NBA delivers in terms of Halloween, but this year, not so much. And how much do you think player agency is related to Halloween costumes? Because there's long been this cultural, I guess, expectation that Halloween is a time for people to let loose. Some of the inhibitions go out the door. And since players, since the Allen Iverson age even, aren't expected to dress a certain way, aren't expected to be a certain way, they get to express their agency on Halloween more so than other leagues. What do you think about that? Oh, for sure. I mean, no other leagues really have, like, the tunnel cams and, like, the fit picks as much as um, the NBA does. So I think they fully use that to their advantage. Like, a lot of them were entering. I mean, the one year, Steph Curry, when he came in on that little jigsaw thing from Saw, that was, like, peak NBA Halloween. Yeah, that was really good. And following that thread, the the Houston Rockets, they have the, the red carpet. Is that cool or is that not cool? I mean, it's kind of cheesy, but I respect it. They have a lot of like players that are really fashion forward in Houston and like James Harden and now Russell Westbrook and PJ Tucker. So I respect it if they want to get their fits off. I mean... Whenever we see them at work, they're wearing a uniform. So if they want to, if they want to express themselves, go for it. I think the red carpet's a little much, but teach their own. That was yeah, probably I, a Westbrook request when he got traded there. <laughs> that He's would like, be oh, really funny. I need my red carpet. Could you imagine? Daryl Morey's like, we we'll give you the red carpet, but you have to take three pointers and layups. That's it. Yeah, you have to share the ball. Yeah. 
That what? Let's follow that then. Even though it's a Raptors podcast, do you have any overt takes on the Houston Rockets and Russell Westbrook's fit so far? Um, I just don't see it as an experiment that's going to end well. Like in the beginning, it's all okay. We've played, you know, eight or so games. It's going well, but eventually one of them's going to want to be a star, and the other one's going to go, "Wait a minute, I'm the star." And it's just, I just don't see it ending well. But I could be completely wrong, and maybe they'll work together harmoniously, but I highly doubt it. It seems like they're at their best when they're playing separate, and the fact that the Rockets play near-league best defense when Westbrook is off the floor and score much better when it's just Harden. They're clearly, culturally and stylistically, are still stuck in the Harden days, even though their pace is up quite a bit. But Westbrook just hasn't jived or fit in well at all. And maybe another team in the Western Conference, two of them that the Raptors just played, one, the Clippers, we haven't yet seen their tandem of Paul George and Kawhi Leonard. The Raptors just missed out on that. But Anthony Davis and LeBron James, up close watching the Raptors you know, grind away against that small forward and power forward position. What did you think of that tandem in L.A.? I was surprised because I thought that those two together, I mean, well, I guess I'm still surprised. I don't know if it's more positive or negative, but Anthony Davis had never before been in a situation where he had another superstar with him. He'd always been like the leader on a team. So now to be able to defer to LeBron James, I don't know if that's um, a positive or a negative for him, just because it's not something he's ever had to do since he's been in the league. So it's it, while it's nice that he can kind of fall back a little bit, I don't know if he is like mentally or physically able to do so. Yeah, and defensively, it's certainly helped for him to, on offense, he kind of takes a little bit step back. LeBron, obviously this year, having a lot of the ball. Anthony Davis switching into that secondary role, sometimes primary role. His offensive numbers have dipped a little bit in efficiency. He's not getting all the same shots he's used to. But defensively, where he might have been laboring a little bit in the past two years, we've kind of seen a jump for him on that defensive end. Did you specifically, when you're talking about LeBron James, we're talking about LeBron James and Anthony Davis, was there anything that you liked that the Raptors did to mitigate how that tandem specifically was able to attack on offense? I mean, just defensively, they, the Raptors had an answer for everything both LeBron and AD were to throw at them. And I don't think a lot of teams in the league can do that. I mean, like whether it's doubling them or tripling them like they were with Kawhi last night, it's working. Yeah, I think that there's something, the Raptors, they embody some sort of ethic in their locker room and it it drives everybody forward to have Rondé Hollis Jefferson, Terrence Davis, Malcolm Miller and Stanley Johnson obviously don't get in, but Chris Boucher as well. Lots of the end of bench guys who... You know, myself included, a lot of people were a little bit pessimistic on some of the end of bench players early on in the year, really showing their stuff, not only in the Lakers game, making it look maybe like it's lightning in a bottle, but then against the Clippers, emulating this very same defensive effort, the diligence, and being able to hold the Clippers offense to that low number of 98 after holding the Lakers offense to, I think it was like 101 or 104, somewhere around there. If I could prompt you to just let let it flow from your mind, is there is there what what are your takeaways from that LA trip? I am amazed 
it was not the results I was expecting for either game. It was not the effort I was expecting for either, either game with Serge and Kyle both out. But then you kind of think, okay, Kyle's not playing, so he's got a lot more time to yell at you. And I think that that was probably very important in the performance of the end of bench players. Like, you don't, of all the people in the league, Kyle Lowry is the last person you probably want in your ear. So I think him being on the bench kind of gave them like a swift kick in the ass and saying, okay, you better perform. Interesting. I, I talked about this in the summer. I can't remember who with specifically, maybe Lewis. There was talk of Kyle Lowry. I think it was with Adam McQueen, actually. There was talk of Kyle Lowry becoming a head coach at some point in the future. And I was of the idea, I was of mind that he might have to take an assistant coach position first and that maybe that wouldn't jive with what he's trying to do and having to rise up through the ranks. But do you think after seeing him perform as a a secondary bench boss and really being able to yell at the Raptors defense and and urge them on, do you think there's a future for him in coaching after seeing him perform that way as a bench boss? Oh, absolutely. I don't think that the league would like it. I don't think that the refs would like it. I mean, they already don't really like him very much because he's always on their asses. But um, I think he'd be a great coach for the right players. If you're going to get a bunch of guys that just want to, you know, get fit picks off and play a little bit, play no defense and put up, you know, triple doubles every night, I don't think Kyle Lowry would be the coach for them. But for a team like the Raptors have now that genuinely want to win as a team, I think he'd be perfect. Let's let's do this together. I'll I'll name a player, you name a player. We'll get to a starting five and then a sixth man of the ideal Kyle Lowry team. So he's going to be coach, and he's going to have a bunch of badass dudes who love to compete, want to play defense. They're kind of cerebral as well. And I'll go first. I think Jimmy Butler is a Kyle Lowry player, a guy he'd love to coach. Who do you think? Patrick Beverly. Patrick Beverly, Jimmy Butler. I like Drew Holiday as well. Patrick Beverly, Drew Holiday, Jimmy Butler. Oh, I gotta think on this one now. Um I'm trying to think of who's just like a dog. Is just gonna go out there every night and just like leave it all on the floor. So who else has taken a lot of charges? Ursan Ilyasova, maybe? Ilyasova. Sure, let's put <laughs> we need big men. I'm gonna put PJ Tucker in there as well. So Anybody who runs into the paint is taking a charge every second possession with those guys on the floor. Yeah. <laughs> and Kawhi. I'll go with Kawhi. Okay. That makes six. So we've got, for the Kyle Lowry, the six players he takes into the war room, Kawhi Leonard, Ursan Ilyasova, which is a surprising <laughs> entry. Maybe Blake think, Griffin instead. Well, e- either or, honestly. Both, both great entries. And P.J. Tucker... Patrick Beverly, Drew Holiday, and Jimmy Butler. Of those guys, who is the Kyle Lowryist? Oh, Patrick Beverly for sure. Patrick Beverly. Were you impressed with how he played against the Raptors? Um, I'm always impressed with Patrick Beverly. I would die for Patrick Beverly. <laughs> but um, against the Raptors, not particularly. No, I was more impressed with Montrez Harold than anyone else. I think. Yeah, Montrez, holy moly. I, he has this endless, vivacious effervescence of hustle and heart and just wears it on his sleeve. And watching him compete and get after it on the offensive glass is like is like nothing else. It's like a man trying to like chase down a bull. 
it's hard work. It's not easy. It takes a hell of a man to do it. But, you know, he, he gets the job done. I'm thinking about I what what stream did you watch? Or did you have Matt and Jack last night? Or did you watch the Clippers stream? Or were you just watching on television? How did you take in the game against the Clippers? Matt and Jack. Matt and Jack. So did they have any comments? I watched the Clippers stream, and I'll share that oh, afterwards. Wait, wait, is it Matt and Leo? I, I'm not I sure. I, I watched the Clippers stream. Oh. Um, it was definitely Leo, because I remember they weren't as much of homers as you'd expect them to be. Okay, good. So, <laughs> so Matt and Leo, I'm interested. I'll share what the Clippers stream said afterwards, but what were the comments from Matt and Leo when Pascal Siakam was posting up Patrick Beverly, a Kyle Lowry-esque player, and Siakam, one of the best post savants in the league? Did they did they have any comments on that? None that I none that really stand out that I can remember. No. The Clippers stream, Pascal Siakam, he got he had an and one on Patrick Beverly the first time he touched the ball, and he obviously didn't make a ton of shots against the Clippers, but one of them against Pat Bev. And the Clippers announcers were like, well, Siakam's the only guy who thinks this is a mismatch on the floor. And I, for a second, it it didn't make me angry or anything, but I was a bit perturbed because I know Patrick Beverly is like that dude, but he certainly isn't like a post defender that stops Pascal Siakam. Just like in the playoffs last year, Patrick Beverly, like, for all that was said about him defending KD, like, KD cooked him. And so, <laughs> is Patrick Beverly one of those guys who is more bark than bite? Or is he just being typecast in very, very bad scenarios for himself? Oh, he's definitely more bark than bite, but that's what makes him Patrick Beverly. His role isn't to, you know, defend in the post. His role isn't to shoot the lights out. His role is to annoy you and get on your nerves, and he does that well. I mean, they and have who, so many other scorers, and they have, like, Paul George when he comes back, and Kawhi Leonard and defenders. Patrick Beverly is just there to get under your skin. Who is the antithesis of Patrick Beverly league-wide, then? Who is the all-bite, no-bark candidate? Maybe Kawhi? Yeah, Kawhi is a pretty good one. Because he didn't say anything. He probably didn't even make a noise as he gouged OG's eye out. It was probably like, hmm, and just, Kah. And that's yeah, dangerous he probably didn't even work. notice. <laughs> He's like the silent assassin, and Patrick Beverly's like his mouthy sidekick, and it kind of works perfectly. There's a, What sitcom has a buddy cop scenario like Kawhi Leonard and Patrick Beverly? Or is oh, like, like the 21 Jump Street movie. With Channing Tatum and Jonah Hill. Oh, that's <laughs> that's the duo. <laughs> okay, I've got you. Patrick Beverly is teaching Kawhi how to trash talk, and Kawhi looks and says, "Wow, you're really good at this stuff." And then Patrick Beverly is watching Kawhi put up shots and play defense without saying anything. He's like, "Wow, you're really good at this stuff." And, they, <laughs> and in the series finale, they win a championship. I hope not. What? <laughs> I, I mean, it would like I, I have no ill will towards Kawhi, none at all, and I, I love him dearly. And him leaving didn't upset me at all. It was kind of like ah, dang, because I thought the Raptors were still good enough to employ him and to have another run at a title. But I certainly don't uh, dislike the idea of the Clippers winning. I think I just want either the Raptors, the Seventy Sixers, because I love Embiid, or the Sacramento Kings for De'Aaron Fox. Do you have any title favorites you have? Well, the Raptors, obviously, which I didn't think was going to happen. And then these last two L.A. games, I was like, 
hell yeah, we're running it back. Um, <laughs> if it wasn't the Raptors, I don't know. I think I'd like to see Miami come out of the East. I don't know how much of a pipe dream that is, but I'd like to see it. Miami, I think, is a good pick, especially with Bam Adebayo, his breakout. Even though he was playing pretty much this well last year, he just they were kind of stuck in Hassan Whiteside's malaise from time to time, and that was confusing for that roster. Is there what do you like specifically about Miami? I just they're very Raptors esque, I think, in the way that they want to play a team game and they want to win, and their development. I mean, you can you can slag on them for a lot of things, but development isn't one of them. Look what they've done with you know Kelly Olynyk and James Johnson and even Dion Waiters, who I love. And I want nothing but the best for. Um, okay, let's let's stop there then. I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna put the Jeopardy music on the clock. Tell me what you think about the the tragedy of Darth Dion Waiters, the Wise. Um, like with the whole gummy thing. <laughs> oh yeah, the gummy situation got himself into a gummy of a situation. Oh God, um, I feel bad for him for that. I mean. Everybody's been there, you know, you get a little bit too messed up, you don't really know what's going on, and he just happened to do it on a team plane, and the information got leaked. And yes, some of his actions, or some of the re- his consequences are the results of his own actions, but I hope he gets it sorted out. I do think he could be a very valuable role player if he were to just get his mind in the game. <laughs> get his head in the game. <laughs> Zach Efron starts dancing. The Wildcats come in. So I'm wondering if Dion Waiters is not a snitch, who in the NBA do you think is most likely to snitch? Oh, Ben Simmons for sure. Ben Simmons is the snitch, yeah. eh? He would. Oh, he would sell someone up the river in a heartbeat for sure. Or Gordon Hayward. <laughs> okay, Gordon Award, yeah, Ben Simmons. I I always thought Ben Simmons was uh, was real, but then Kyle Lowry said that he went to the back and that Ben Simmons didn't show up. And I was like, man, if there was a guy who wanted to fight me and he was nine inches shorter than I was, a I I don't really fight people. That's not that's not my thing. But if I was claiming to be a fighter and a guy nine inches shorter than me scared me out of somewhere. I uh, I would have to accept that I'm not real. I, I assume that's what you're basing the Ben Simmons judgment on. Yeah, and it's just a vibe I get from him. I don't know. He's just... Ben Simmons has not impressed me the way he's impressed other people. And sometimes I feel like I'm watching a different game. But I just don't see what other people see. And I just don't think that he's one to back it up, back up his talk. But I also I think that most people in Philadelphia aren't, with the exception of, like, Mike Scott. Mike's, <laughs> Mike Scott's reaction <laughs> Mike Scott's reaction to that fight was so funny. And the fact that when he went to that Eagles game and then got into a fight, it's just like the legend grows with that guy. He wouldn't yeah. he wouldn't snitch. Never. Oh no, he wouldn't snitch. No, and he would he would back up everything he's saying. So. Ben Simmons though, when I think of Ben Simmons, I think a top fifteen defender in the league and a menace in transition. But then you try and parse the smaller parts of his game and then one very big part of his game, which is the jump shot. 
And then you see how some teams defend him. And it's just kind of like a rock and a hard play. Something has to give with Ben Simmons. Otherwise, he's he'll be remembered as a meme more than a player. At Like at some point, like if we're like seven or eight years into his career and he's still through the first 10 games only taking one shot outside the paint, what do we have there? A snitch for sure. But as a basketball player, who's to say, right? That's the thing is I think that Ben Simmons has probably hit his peak, at least his peak with Philadelphia. And I don't think he's going to be remembered the way that people are remembering him now or remembering what they want him to turn into. Interesting. Would you? Okay, never mind. I'm not even going to suggest that. That's blasphemy. Are you going to ask for a trade to Toronto for Ben Simmons? <laughs> that I I no, was going to no broach the the <laughs> the subject, but not even not even the Stanimal, not even Stanley Johnson. No, not even the Stanimal. Is it because Stanley Johnson wears crop tops and he looks great doing it? He does look great. I free Stanley Johnson, man. Give him a chance. I don't know yeah. when that chance is going to come, but like, I don't know. Let's go. Let's go play the Knicks and just have Stanley Johnson play all four quarters. What have you thought of him so far, Stan? Um, the thing is, I think players read about themselves a lot more online than they let on, and I think everyone trashing Stanley Johnson probably gets to him. So he gets in, and he's so worried, and he just makes simple mistakes that he wouldn't make if he wasn't in his own head. So I think everyone, like, leave Brittany alone, leave Stanley Johnson alone, let him do what he's supposed to do, and I think he'll be, I think he'll be okay. He can't be any worse than when we had Greg Monroe. I wonder if I can see the, the engagements on my Stanley Johnson feature that from the start of the year, if he's the guy who keeps going back and visiting it to read it, because I, I wrote a feature that was not super optimistic, but optimistic about Stanley Johnson. And I have not seen an article like that in three years. So if he is looking for something to validate good feelings online, he would have to funnel himself into an article from me. So Stan, if I've become your favorite writer because I affirm good things about you and you're listening now, Kelsey and I believe in you, and we hope we play the Knicks soon. Kelsey, anything to add uh, to Stan, who is definitely listening? Stanley, if you're listening, sweetie, you're doing great. Um, well, I think what he signed, I, I picked that piece up when he signed here. And I was like, okay, he's Stanley Johnson, but we're going to compare him to Kawhi Leonard just by, like, numbers. And just pulled, I can't even remember what the stats were, just pulled, like, obscure stats and had people believing that he would be our Kawhi. And so... Stanley, you might not be on Kawhi, but we love you regardless. Don't worry about it. You're doing great. It's one of those stat plunges where you come out with, well, Kawhi Leonard and Stanley Johnson had the same block percentage on the second night of a back-to-back in year four. (laughs) (laughs) On Thursday, Stanley Johnson performs better than Kawhi Leonard. Yeah, exactly. Who, Who was it that... I can't remember who it was last... Oh, it was William Liu who tweeted out, side-by-side Pascal stats from this year with Kawhi Leonard stats from last year. And then everyone's like, so what are you saying about Kawhi? It's like, well, no, it's just Pascal's been super good. And maybe let's talk about that. Since we're talking about players who 
the Raptors fans, since we have gotten Kawhi, we literally cannot stop ourselves from comparing every wing player who is between 6'5 and 6'10 to Kawhi Leonard. Norm Powell just missed the cut at 6'4. If Terrence Davis grows a little bit, he might make the cut. But what do we think about Pascal? Not that he's building towards Kawhi, but what is he building towards to you? Um, For Pascal, the thing is, I thought his ceiling would be, you know, maybe Lamar Odom. And now I'm like, can he pass that? Because he's just improving every game. He's taking it to a level that nobody expected. And so I don't, I don't know what Pascal's ceiling is because it's so hard to gauge from how well and quick his trajectory is moving. Yeah, and the the most interesting thing to me is that yes, the three point, you know, the three point percentage seems to be coming back down to earth, and if w- it depends where earth is for him, right? Because if he's still going to be at thirty six, thirty seven percent at this high a rate and taking as many as he does from above the break, then he's still grading out as a really, really good three point shooter and a really, really great offensive option. And depending where that regression lands, as far as especially above the break threes, that completely changes how defenses have to guard him. Because as we've seen, even though DeMar DeRozan had a couple good years shooting from the corners from downtown, when it got to the playoffs and teams would just go under pick and rolls, the above the break three wasn't there for him. It stagnated the offense. The Raptors had to deal with that for years and years. The playoff Lowry thing, I think, is a myth for the most part. But the Raptors having to deal with that, it depends on where Siakam falls to where the Raptors might have to figure out a way around that again. But besides that, Siakam is a much better driver than DeMar DeRozan is and was just in how he's finishing. But DeMar DeRozan is a better passer as well. What do you think about Siakam's driving game and his ability to work in the pick and roll? Because we see the Raptors go to that sometimes, and especially in the second half. Um, I think it's improving. I think it's. I think the difference between Demar and Pascal is Pascal. He may not be a better passer, but he's so fast and being able to switch and get into positions in like a microsecond is something that Demar didn't have and something that not a lot of players do have. So what he lacks in you know passing or shooting the three, he makes up for in quickness and willingness to drive. One of my favorite things to see online is when people claim that Siakam isn't actually that fast. He's not that quick. And you see, he doesn't even have to put on like a a series of dribble moves to break a guy like Anthony Davis's ankles, Josh Hart's ankles, Ingram's ankles. All these guys are getting snatched just when Siakam decides to drop his shoulder and start heading the other way. And the level of quickness and speed that he possesses at his size is is insane and that unlocks so much of what he's been able to do and it's been really cool to see him progressing to where the skill part of his game is catching up to the the athletic part of his game and that was when he first came into the league and he was drafted by the Raptors he started his first game of his rookie year he had a couple baseline mid-range shots that he hit he got out in transition it was like wow this guy's super athletic he made a lot of mistakes on defense, but he was also super rangy. And now we see he's gotten to the point where Zach Lowe is saying, and Zach Lowe, I think, is the, the top sports writer for basketball right now. And 
You have Zach Lowe saying he can be all NBA defense this year. He can be all NBA point blank, and he can be an all-star. And for this year, I think that's the ceiling. But as far as going into the future, if he's going to keep ascending like this, I think MVP talks aren't, aren't outrageous. What do you think? I don't think they are either because the way that they judge MVP is so flawed. It shouldn't be, you know, who has the most triple doubles or it should be who, when you put them on any team, would make that team better. And if you put Pascal Siakam on any team in the NBA, he would automatically make that team better. And I think that that should be the measure for MVP. I don't think there's a lot of players in or in the league outside of, you know, the top stars, Anthony Davis, LeBron James. Kawhi, Paul George, other than Pascal, that if you put them on any team, they would make that team better. That Well, that begs the question. Would you rather have Pascal Siakam, Giannis Antetokounmpo, or Brad Stevens? Who oh makes the team the best? <laughs> Definitely Pascal. All right. But, but difficult between Giannis and Brad Stevens, though, right? It's... Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. NBA Pete Buttigieg is uh, <laughs> is a big deal. Oh, baby yeah. The next the next question I'd like to ask you is a lot has been going on culturally for Canada the past couple days coming to terms with a big figurehead in their sports history and where it's been lately. Don Cherry recently let go by Sportsnet because of his comments the you people the lamenting um, immigrants in general, I think, and just the xenophobia he had for a long time. I remember growing up watching hockey, the distaste he had for Europeans, for the French Canadians, for anyone that wasn't, you know, Bobby Orr-esque. And now that the chickens have come home to roost, maybe. Does the NBA have even close to an equivalent to Don Cherry? Is there someone we're allowing in our sport to poison young people? Anything like that? Um, Skip Bayless. <laughs> yeah. more, the thing, the difference is between Skip and Don Cherry is that people don't take Skip seriously. And people take everything that Don Cherry says to heart. So I don't know if they're, I mean, other than Marv Albert. But that's, he's an asshole that's also senile. So I guess the best comparison would be Marv Albert. I, that's yeah, that's pretty good. I was gonna say scout with Brian, maybe. Oh my god, <laughs> <laughs> he follows me. He's probably listening to this. Hi, Brian. He's fucking weirdo. He followed me, but I didn't follow him back. So then, like a couple days later, he yanked it away. He was he's very spiteful. <laughs> but and uh, I can't remember who it was, but the the account that showed up after Scout with Brian kept getting into all that Twitter turmoil the NBA fan account or whatever it was that kept making fun of him tried to get on the podcast. And I was like, sorry, man, I'm not, <laughs> I'm not going to have you on, but it, it might've been funny, but it, yeah, the Don Cherry thing, Marv Albert is a, is a decent one because he keeps calling everyone the wrong name. And Skip Bayless is, is interesting because there's so many quotes out there of him outside of the show being, you know, very smart, very like level-headed and whether it's like politically or whether it's like his relationship with players when he's not spouting off against Shannon Sharp or against Stephen A. Smith, he's a lot more collected. 
And I think there's a reason why people look at first take or anything else like that, kind of like wrestling, like it's performance art in its own way. Yeah. But but Don Cherry, the things he says, I think both the media that purports it to be something else and the people who take it in, it's more likely to end up as like a post that gets shared you know, 80,000 times in Canada on Facebook, like him talking about, well, maybe Alberta should be separate, like something like that. And I think people take it to heart and view him as an actual cultural commentator, whereas Skip Bayless, you know, at, as soon as he tweets something, everyone is just memeing on him, regardless of whatever it yeah. is. <laughs> and, um, I guess you could also say James Dolan, maybe. <laughs> it's like, how, is, how is he still around? How is he still getting away with the things he's saying and doing. Well, Donald Sterling maybe is the guy, right? Except he oh. was ousted years back. <laughs> yeah, Don Cherry's came like 50 years too late. And they're both named Don. They is are. <laughs> was, wait, was Donald Sterling bald too? I don't know what he looks like. I imagine it's like... <laughs> I, it's like... Danny DeVito, probably. That's what I think he looks like. That's what I think most NBA owners look like. Kind of like Danny <laughs> you're not, DeVito. You're not far off, though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, the last thing I want to talk to you about before we get into um, the Twitter questions that were posed for you and I in a meandering podcast where, you know, we've talked about everything to death collectively as, as a Raptors fan base. So you and I are just looking for some fun. I thought something fun to talk about would be I see that you often tweet about baking. Which thing that you bake has had the best barometer for success for the Raptors? Is there any superstition tied to that? Well, last year during the playoffs, every game that I ate a Costco hot dog, we won. So, and then this year I made Reese's Pieces cookies um, before the Lakers came because I was like, you know what? This game's going to be awful. It's going to hurt. I'm going to make these cookies so they don't hurt me. And then we won. So then I made more the next day for the Clippers game. Oh, no, I didn't make any more. Sorry. I just ate more. And um, <laughs> it's a pretty good result. So for every, like, difficult game, I think I'm probably going to have to make Reese's Pieces cookies. Well, how many, how many Costco hot dogs did you end up eating during the playoffs then? I haven't eaten one since. That's how many. And I love Costco hot dogs. Costco hot dogs are one of the greatest things in the world. I, I pretty much tried to stop eating pork for a very long time. And I think that's the only pork I eat. But there is a Costco in Puerto Vallarta. And when I go there to get my quinoa and rice, I absolutely buy a Costco hot dog because they are sublime. And they taste exactly they like they do in Canada, in Mexico. That was going to be my next question. Is there, are they the same and are they the same price? They're cheaper because, of course, <laughs> they're cheaper, but they they taste the exact same. It's fantastic. Oh, my God. Amazing. So no snow and Costco hot dogs. Yeah, <laughs> that's but I don't know if you listened to the episode with Blake there. The first thing we talked about was that I had a tarantula in my living quarters, which <laughs> was not super ideal. And that so there's 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 a couple detractors as well, but oh, yeah. That's disgusting. What would you do if you saw a tarantula in your house? I don't even know. Try and squish it, I guess. Yeah, that was what I went with. 
I definitely I had to get it squished because I was like I understand it's an animal and I I I don't really like killing animals and you know I do eat meat so it's I'm a bit animal. of a hypocrite. It's a tarantula. <laughs> and um so I thought, well, I don't want to, but it was in my house. And I thought, you know what? If I was smaller than it and I was in its house, it would eat me, not just kill me. So oh, I so I thought, you know what, that that makes sense. And, and the cockroaches. Sorry, what's that? How fast did it move when you squished it? Oh, like, it was pretty fast. Like, oh. disconcertingly so. It was very quick. And the cockroaches down here, also pretty fast. It's, so it's just the wildlife down here sometimes is not so great. The geckos that live where I live, they're fine. They they kind of like sleep behind paintings and hang out in dark places. I have no need oh. to like to do anything with them. You get used to them and they they're just kind of around. But the tarantulas and the cockroaches that doesn't fly. I have to I have to end them the second I see them. But tarantulas are not super common, so I think that's the only one I'll see. But yeah, it was quite an ordeal. Oh my god. So. <laughs> So for the the question, we're sticking with the idea that peanut butter, Reese's peanut butter cookies are what you have to be eating and making for the Raptors to have success this year. Yeah, I think it's the 2019-2020 season um, edible superstition. Edible superstition. That would be a great piece to write, by the way. It'd be, or a band uh, name. Yeah, that is a really good band name. <laughs> I I asked this to Katie Heindel the last time she was on the podcast, and she had a pretty good answer, but which player in the NBA is most likely to be in a punk rock band called Democratic Witch Hunt? Oh, um, he's not in it anymore, but Spencer Hawes. Spencer Hawes, that's a good one. Andrew Bogut is another one. Gordon Hayward, yeah. the usual suspects. That that was Gordon Hayward would be like an equipment manager. He would he wouldn't be in the band. His wife wouldn't allow that, and it would take him to track from video game time. So he would definitely be like a roadie. What do What do you think if you ask Gordon Hayward if somebody had the cojones to ask Gordon Hayward about how he feels about how he's being perceived by fans that his wife keeps him locked up? he's addicted to video games, and that he's a Trump supporter. What do you think he would say? Um, I don't think he would deny any of it except the fact that his wife keeps him locked up. Oh, I was going to say (laughs) that he'd be like, my younger self would love me. (laughs) (laughs) No, I I I also don't think that she keeps him locked up. I think she's like, okay, you're home. I have three kids. Get off your ass. And help me with them. They're oh, yours yeah, too. Totally. I don't mean I don't mean to, if anybody listening thinks that's coming off as like the old battle axe misogynistic thing. I don't mean for that. Uh, I'm just making fun of. Gordon. No, you don't. But like fans <laughs> say, yeah, yeah, fans say it all the time. But um, I think his wife's an asshole. But I don't think that she's out of line for wanting him to not play video games all the time. Yeah, both can a, exist. <laughs> 
As a, the first year I spent in Mexico, I didn't bring my PS4. And I got to tell you, I did miss video games. But I also see why video games are important not to have around all the time. Because, you know, they suck up a lot of time. And, <laughs> and if you're a dad and you have kids who need things to be done for them all the time, it's, uh, I can definitely see why it would be frowned upon in the household. So I, I support her um, as in that as fervently as she supports and donates to the Donald Trump campaign. <laughs> I was waiting. I just, for the I, wonder, I wonder how many um, how many closeted Trump supporters there are in the NBA. The only other one I read about was Michael Porter Jr. from the Nuggets is supposed to be one, but I can't what? imagine. Yeah, that's that's supposedly a thing. Oh my god, that's surprising. Yeah, it's well, it's not as surprising as you would think when it's Gordon Hayward, when it's Spencer Hawes, when it's Andrew Bogut. That's not supposed to surprise you. Jonathan Isaac being like kind of like a a right wing kind of guy is surprising, but he's like very church oriented and clearly draws his inspiration from there, things like that. But you don't expect there to be a lot of crossover between NBA player and Trump supporter. And I think that's for obvious reasons, but it would be interesting to see if they were polled honestly and anonymously how much of the NBA supported Trump. Mm-hmm. I kind of don't want to find out because I think it would be the result might be like heartbreaking or disheartening. Well, as long as it's anonymous, you can just apply it to the people you don't like, and then yeah, <laughs> like I'm going to assume TJ Reddick is a Trump supporter. <laughs> If you took a fan poll on every player and asked them who they thought might be, I think he would register very high in that. Definitely, definitely, yeah. We're going to take a quick break. It will be an ad read, so you're going to hear that right away. Kelsey, um, we'll be right back. Here's the scenario. You're injured in a collision and your insurance company is denying your claim. It happens far too often. If it happens to you, call me, Brian Goldfinger of Goldfinger Personal Injury Law. My team and I work for people just like you. We don't accept cases on behalf of insurance companies, so you and your family can make sure that you're in good hands. Visit goldfingerlaw.com and get us working for you. And welcome back. I'm still here with Kelsey O'Brien, and we're about to get into the Twitter questions. And the first one from the Hoop and Harm podcast. If Serge was to make tacos on the next How Hungry Are You, what meat would he put in it? I'll swing this one to you. Um, that's a t- I think he's done a lot of, like, the really weird meats. So I think I'm going to go with something, like, from the ocean. The most disgusting thing I've, I've ever eaten was sea urchin. So I'm going to say sea urchin tacos. What did sea urchin taste like? The most disgusting. It's like the texture of guacamole with the taste of sand. It's the most revolting thing I've ever eaten in my life. That sounds horrible. I can't believe it you ate horrible. sea urchin. Yeah. <laughs> Even the name urchin. Urchin sounds like underling gross beneath you like it just it sounds like it's synonymous with like the dirt you pick up when your floors are dirty on your feet like something like that just sweeping up the urchin yeah what meat would he put in it i'm thinking 
Yeah, I'm not sure if that was like a sexual innuendo because anything with Surge can trend that way. But what meat would he put in it? Um, Marlin. Big ol' Marlin. A Baja Marlin taco. That's what, that's what Surge would put in. But Are those not edible? No, no, they're, they're edible. Are they gross? Uh, no, they're good. But I think oh. that <laughs> the wrap, like he's got to move away from meat at some point, you know? Like the wrap, whatever the taco's wrapped in, that's where the delineation has to come from. Oh, yeah, you're right. So or maybe a weird fermented, veg- fermented vegetable or something. Like papaya. So it smells kind of like puke. Yeah. Or yes. um, he already did durian, I think, with uh, Jeremy Lin, right? Jeremy Lin made a meat durian. Yes. So we can't do that one. But yeah, yeah, you're probably right. It wouldn't be the meat. It would be something else. The wrap or the... Uh, topping but yeah he's got to keep it fresh there's only so many things you can do the meat creatively of and this many an iron chef has ran into the problem that he's going to run into you got to keep it moving you got to come up with new stuff and uh you know we have to look forward to that and if anyone is wondering or wanting um very in-depth uh takedowns and uh reviews of the how hungry are you episodes uh sean woodley and katie heindel usually do that over on Sean Woodley's podcast. So if that's what you're looking for, um, they do a great job of that as well. The next Twitter question is from Robert Rutledge. Which of the new guys is Kelsey's favorite? Kelsey? Um, Terrence Davis is second. And what, what makes him your favorite? Is it his huge, bulky arms? Is it the fact that he's like LeBron but squished? <laughs> He's like a little baby LeBron. I just think that I love that he, like Fred VanVleet, bet on himself. He said, no, I'm not signing a two-way contract. I'm going to play in the NBA. And he came out and he proved his worth. And I, I just, he is one that I'm really excited to see how he develops. Especially now that what, what we've seen with Pascal, I think his development plan next to Pascal's will be something to watch. And he has chubby cheeks. I yeah, love all chubby cheeked NBA players. Like Julius Randle? Adorable. Eric Gordon. A very round, rotund face. But very oh, yeah, he's, Yeah, for sure. Yeah, there's a lot of adorable, um, just round NBA players. Kelly Oubre Jr. is unbelievably handsome. But it's like, it's same with Zach Levine. It's like too much handsome smushed into one face. Like, it's the cheekbones, the jawline, the eyes, the brow, the nose, the lips. It's like, can you chill out for a second? And a lot of <laughs> NBA players a lot of NBA players have that going for them. And I trust me, I love Kelly Oubre Jr. When Katie Heindel and I were ranking the handsomest men in the NBA, which many of you listeners did not appreciate, and I don't appreciate that you didn't appreciate it, Kelly Oubre Jr. got a lot of love. Serge Ibaka, another guy, like just has so much going for him that you have to root for the underdogs, like guys like Eric Gordon, Jimmy guys Butler. like Terrence Davis, Jimmy Butler, yeah. And he, he got to wash his ass before the season started, so that's why he's playing so well, I think. I think so. <laughs> T is for Terrence, who was left on a shelf, undrafted, a reminder to bet on yourself. Oh, Terrence Davis, the lovable man. Well, Terrence Davis the second. Sorry, I should give him the 
the honorary name that he, that he loves so much. And the third question, and the, the last Twitter question that we'll be going through, Mitch Wheeler 19, um, a guy I see comments quite a bit on Twitter. I think he's a, a valued member of Raptors Twitter. So Mitch, hi, says hey, one. <laughs> Do you know Mitch? Um, I just, just through Twitter. He's so kind. He's so nice. Perfect. Then, yes. Hi, kind Mitch. Um, we're going to read your question now. <laughs> Number one, which Raptor would make the best dinner guest? Number two, who do you think will end up making an impact with the Raptors from the 905 this season? So we'll get into number one first, obviously. Um, okay, do you want to start? Do I want to start? Sure, yeah, you I'll start. start. First of all, I, I would have to go with DeMar DeRozan. And for the simple reason that he is beloved by so many people, but he's... He's very lovable in the Kyle Lowry, DeMar DeRozan type of bromance sense. But otherwise, he doesn't show that much to the media that would make him like a great friend. So that means that so much of what people like about him is he's holding back from the media. And maybe if you get to have dinner with him, you get to see so much of what makes him so magnetic to so many other players. Because so many other players like DeMar DeRozan. So he's he's my first... Um, the first candidate. Do you have anybody in mind? Um, I'm going to say Serge because I think he, I feel like he's a talker. I feel like the conversation would not stop and he would have so many stories to tell. And I feel like he'd be very complimentary of your cooking, even if it wasn't good. So you'd be cooking. You wouldn't be going oh, yeah. out. Yeah, I think oh. we're going to two different uh, dinner parties, you and I. Oh, okay. <laughs> even tomorrow are going out. Serge and I are cooking. Oh, okay. He's coming to my house I, I, telling I, I, stories. Yeah. What? So what do you cook for Serge Ibaka off the top of your head? Off the top of my head? Um, I don't know. I make really good ribs. So maybe I would make him ribs or prime rib. Or maybe I'd try and make some like Congolese food for him. I can make good Jamaican food. But I haven't tried Congolese cooking. So I'd try it and he would just spend the whole time complimenting my efforts. Possibly telling me how pretty I am, and then, <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's that's my dinner guest choice. I was I was hoping the catchphrase would make it onto the podcast. Tell me how pretty <laughs> I am from you. I was really hoping I wasn't going to ask for it, but I wanted it to come up organically, and you did not disappoint. I'm very happy with that. Someone asked on Twitter. They reversed it on me. They said, "Do you think I'm pretty?" For the podcast question. And I don't know, because there's three people in this person's um, display picture. So, Jacob Richards, identify yourself, and we can answer this question for you. <laughs> well, of the three people, were any of them pretty? Does he have a shot? Oh, I mean, they were all gorgeous. <laughs> <laughs> so, we just have to specific. figure out how gorgeous. Oh, yeah. <laughs> And the second question, who do you think will end up making an impact with the Raptors from the 905 this season? Um, so I don't know if he means for the 905 themselves or the two-way guys. So for the 905 themselves, I'm going to say Tyler Ennis because he's going to bring, you know, the NBA experience. And he just, he seems like a really good leader. He's always, um, Jamo was saying, he's always, you know, there an hour before they're supposed to be there. He's always the last one to leave. 
So I think he's got really good leadership qualities. And then Duane Notice is returning, the only returning 905 player who defensively is their best player. And he can shoot the three. And he's just a really great all-around player. So I think they'll be really big. And then as far as two-way players go, I'm really big on Shimori Pond. Yeah, he's got a good name for puns. There's a lot, of, a lot of Twitter potential there. Yeah. <laughs> Your turn. My turn. Well, I'll ask you afterwards. Um, but who do I think will end up making, if it is a player coming up from the 905 to the Raptors, I think Dewan Hernandez has to be the guy. Everybody's been raving about him. And as far as just with the 905, I really liked how O'Shea Brissett played at the end of the preseason. The Raptors, when they played the Rockets, they kind of stuck him in a, a power forward position, which really limited what his game looked like. But then he got to handle the ball more in the last two preseason games. And I thought, oh, he looks like a, a decent wing player, especially for the 905 level. So I think he'll be a really important player for the 905. And if it's a 905 guy for the for the Raptors than Dewan Hernandez. But what what is your favorite part about Shamori Pond's game? Um, he's just he reminds me of like another another Terrence Davis the second. He can do a little bit of this and a little bit of that, whereas um like O'Shea defensively was not the strongest in their um home opener and Dewan Hernandez was very um he seemed very eager to prove a point almost to his own detriment. So I think Shamori Pons is probably a better two-way and team player. Cool. And the last question I'll ask you on the podcast, some of the guests I like to ask this question to, do you have any book recommendations for me or the listeners? Um, oh, I'm reading actually a Margaret Atwood book. I don't know if you watched The Handmaid's Tale or you've read Margaret Atwood. That's but Canada's read- best author, Margaret Atwood. Yeah. <laughs> I'm reading The Heart Goes Last. Which What's that about? Like a big love story. But okay, so everyone's pretty much poor and there's no jobs or anything. So they, they've come up with this thing called Polycon where you um, spend one month working in these jails and factories and stuff. And then the other month you get to live in this house. And then the people that are in the factory while you're in the house switch. And so you never see the people that you're living, whose house you're essentially sharing. And it's just a really weird way that I can see society going at some point. Sounds like serfdom. <laughs> it's really weird, but it's definitely plausible. And it's, it's pretty good so far. Yeah, well, Margaret Atwood, she's prolific and quality. So I imagine it would be a good book, yeah. So yeah, that's my book recommendation right now. Good book, Rick. Definitely. Um, is there anything, before we get out of here, is there anything you want to tell the people to look for from you or anywhere you want to direct them? Um, not really. I'm probably going to have a get-to-know-your-Raptors905 piece coming up. I've been asking them some non-basketball-related questions, so if you want to get to know a little bit more about them, um, stay tuned for that. And Otherwise, yeah, that's pretty much it. Have you asked them if they think you're pretty? <laughs> no, I, I, um, I don't really want to because I don't. <laughs> I don't know if my ego can handle if they say no. <laughs> I have asked them um, lots of other things, like their least favorite foods. Okay. So, yeah. 
Are not really those... questions you want to ask in the scrum, but... <laughs> are any of their least favorite foods something Serge Ibaka would cook with? <laughs> I don't know. A lot of them just don't like really basic things, like fruit. Fruit? Just yeah, the, the think... catch-all? I don't like fruit? All fruit, yeah. I think it was Paul Watson says he doesn't eat any fruit. That's... Man, that's like when Lil Yachty said the only thing he eats is pizza. And they asked him if he ever had a vegetable. He's like, no. That's crazy right? to me. I mean, but he's so young. So good luck with that, Yachty. Once you <laughs> hit like 24, those vegetables, yeah. you start sounding real good. Otherwise, he's going to be carrying a little belly pouch around. That will yeah, he's going to be big Yachty. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, big Yachty. <laughs> Well, Kelsey, thank you so much for coming on. It was a it was a real treat to have you, and we got to to bounce some ideas and more comedy than I expected. But that's perfect, <laughs> especially when everything's been so heavy-handed for the Raptors lately, and plenty of people have been writing big pieces about who they are and what they are. It's nice to kick back and to laugh about some things with you. Thank you very much for coming on. Thank you. And if you guys want to follow Kelsey on Twitter, Kelsey, and that's ending in an E-A underscore lately. And uh, you can catch up on all of her tweets, which is an underrated part of her role as a journalist. But not as underrated as her work with the 905. And not as underrated as her rhyme schemes that will put your children to bed using names from the Raptors. Yeah, that's my book recommendation. Turn that into a book. (laughs) (laughs) Perfect. As for me, you don't need to worry about following me on Twitter because my tweets are boring and lame. But thank you very much for listening. Thank you once again for coming on, Kelsey. To the listeners, whether you're getting into this in the morning or at night, have a blessed day and goodbye. Want to hear something amazing? Discover matches all the cash back you earn on your credit card at the end of your first year, automatically, dollar for dollar, with no limit on how much you can earn. Extra cash? Come on, how amazing is that? In fact, it's even more amazing when you realize all the places where Discover is accepted. 99% of places in the U.S. that take credit cards. So when it comes to Discover, get used to hearing yes more often. Learn more at discover.com slash yes. 2020 Nielsen Report limitations apply. When you're a pro, your reputation is built and proven over time. That's why the Home Depot carries Loctite PL Premium Max construction adhesive, the strongest on the market. It stays 100% solid after curing. It won't develop air pockets. And like your reputation, it holds up over time. Right now, get 12 or more for the bulk price of only $8.53 each. Loctite PL Premium Max at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. Minimum purchase required, U.S. only.